Michelle. Good morning, Miss Maddox. Holly Maddox had the perfect job. Chelsea Diamonds has chosen us to redo their campaign. I thought you two would be perfect to head this up. And the perfect friends. <gasps> this place is crawling with guys. I'll keep my eye out. Hey, it's Myler. Got a hold of a couple tickets to this art gallery opening. Give me a call if you feel like it. I meant to call you back. I just got caught up with stuff. But wouldn't stop looking. Guys like that don't really exist. It's fantasy. It's exactly. ridiculous. People want fantasy. Trying to pursue that makes people miserable. For the perfect man. Oh, 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 oh. Guys like that don't really exist. Don't worry. I'm here. Now. I just met the most amazing guy. Ever since I was a kid, I've done a bunch of ads for <laughs> surfboards, back to school, and slacks. True romance is fantasy. Fairy tales come true. She just seems pretty wrapped up in a guy that she just met. Welcome to my place. I'm Carol, Bo's mom. To fairy tale endings. And grandkids. She'll discover. Where is everybody? We confirmed. Uh, your guy canceled. Bo. Maybe perfect isn't so perfect after all. Are, are you trying to ruin my career? No, I'm trying to help your career. And true love. You look really great could be waiting right in front of you. When work and play click. Mar Vista Entertainment presents. You're perfect. I know. <laughs> and that's why I'm leaving you. A holiday fairy tale about finding the perfect love. In the most imperfect places. What picture is this? It's us. Claire Coffey, Ryan McPartland, Gabrielle Dennis, Jeff Ward. You're amazing. Well, I'm here again for yet another stocking stuffer. The candles are lit. Of course, they are the uh, Yankee Candle balsa wood scent. Uh, let me just go. The stocking's a little crooked. Let me fix that. Uh, oh, oh, my, somebody's at the door. I'm not expecting anybody. Let me go see who it is. Open this door. One of these days I'll boil it. It's just so loud. Oh, my God. Jason Fozzie Bear Nelson at my Whoa, house. Christmas. What? Oh, it's so good to see you. Oh. oh, it has been too long. Too long. I was in the neighborhood and thought I'd stop by. Really? Uh, yeah. What? I mean, what brought you to this neighborhood? Uh, doing a little Christmas shopping mm, because course. it is Christmas eternally. Yes, always. And I see you brought me a fruitcake. That was very nice of you. Homemade fruitcake. Oh, well, I mean, you're, I, I don't, you know, you're going to notice that I have the recording all set up. So... Um, I, I don't want to kick you out or anything, but I was just about to sit down and record a stocking stuffer about um, this movie that was on Hulu. I doubt you've seen it. What's it called? It is called, it actually uh, has a couple of titles. So um, it was airing on TV under the title A Perfect Christmas. Um, I think I it also goes by something called Holly's Holiday. Holly's Holiday? I love Holly's Holiday. Do you now? It's like I mean, only my favorite movie. Like, would you, I mean, I'm, I haven't started yet. Would you like to sit down and talk about it? Absolutely. If, oh. if I'm not intruding. Oh, no, of course not. Why don't you sit down? I'll, I'll pour you a nice, nice cup of, cup of hot cocoa in this uh, fine cardboard cup. So be, be very careful with that now. You're supposed to hold it, like, from the bottom with both hands and don't twirl it around the way they do in the house. <laughs> I'm the worst actor. Yeah. This is so awful. Yeah. Uh, well. <laughs> this is great. 
this is this is perfect. You're here. We're going to talk about a movie. I'm excited. Uh, folks too. at home, you remember Fozzie, of course, from such various things as the podcast podcast. And others. And right? others that I can't remember the name of because you had like 12 other ones. Yeah, I would start and stop and start and stop. I don't have the drive like you you do to keep it going year after year. Um, I think for me, it's more, it's less like the drive to do it than it is the shame of feeling as though I quit. Yeah, I do have a lot of that. Yeah. I wish I didn't though. I, it's, you know, a lot of times it's, life gets in the way and it's so hard to find the time. I know you struggle with it, but as soon as, as soon as I hit like a roadblock, I was just like, I'm done. As soon as I couldn't record one week, I'm like, oh, screw this. But you guys, (laughs) but I hadn't come to the point. And I think a lot of podcasts have figured this out just in the last few years. They're like, this shit is free. You'll get it when I give it to you. Yes. You know, like it, it when kills I was doing me mine, when I hear podcasters being like, I'm so sorry I was late this week, but I'm going to stay up till 4 or 5 a.m. and make sure I get it to you. It's like, why? We're going to yeah. hear it whenever, when we hear it. Like, I'm behind on all my podcasts. I'm like five weeks behind on everything. It's okay if you don't do it. on. And it's very nice, and I respect podcasters who are like very regimented about it. But yeah. you shouldn't hurt yourself for something that you're you're doing for free. And I was in that stress mode too. Mm. That's all I would think about. Like, and I and if I start and I started to fall behind, and I was just like, ah, screw it. But I wish I had adopted that mentality of yeah. being like, you know, it's free. You'll get it when you get just it. Just chill, man. And you'll be lucky to get it then. So it sounds like it you are a little bit of a Holly. A little. I demand perfection, mm-hmm. just like Holly. I don't see I appreciate wrong with that. that. Uh, so the movie today, Holly's Holiday, is from 2012, which is like the big year of stocking stuffers. For some reason, I call the movies I'm covering was, were from that year. Um, Interesting. Now, we found this. You and I said, let's do one together. And I'm like, which, which sites do you have? And you said Hulu. So I start looking at Hulu. I'm trying to find something like that the two of us can really sink our teeth into. And last year, if everybody remembers, we covered what has so far been my favorite movie that I've watched for Stocking Stuffers, which was The Truth About Christmas. I could not remember the name of it. I'm so glad you did. They're, that they, was fun. None of these titles are ever very memorable. <laughs> but it was like, genuinely delightful. It was. Um, it was. So I figured, ooh, that's I... a that's a hard like mountain to reach again. So I'm like looking around on Hulu, and then I see this one, and then I watch the trailer for this one, and I see the word mannequin in the description. Yep. And I watch the trailer, and I just say to you, "This is it." And you know, because I always love a little holiday magic in mm-hmm. my movies, in my Christmas movies. Um, but did, did you think I don't? I found the trailer vague because when when I first started to watch it. Eddie, my husband, was here with me, and he was like, is this about a mannequin that comes to life? And I was like, no, no, no. It's about a woman who wishes a mannequin would come to life. That's what I got from the trailer. So I thought it was just her in love with a mannequin and wishing that a man would be as perfect as that mannequin. But boy, howdy, was I wrong. But were you? I think it was both of those things. (laughs) It was a little vague, wasn't it? A bit, yeah. I th- this movie goes places. I think I think there's a lot to say about it. Um, it is very much on one hand a cozy cardigan Christmas. On the other, it makes choices that then it unmakes, and it is very confusing. <laughs> yeah. um, spoiler alert! I kind of loved it. Oh, absolutely. Me too. I had such a good time. I laughed out loud too. There were some really fun parts. I howled at some parts. Her parents were brilliant yes 
I mean, his parents. His parents. Me. I'm yeah. sorry, his parents. That, I mean, uh, like, yeah, they're funny. This this scene, this movie had scenes that were genuinely funny in any other movie. Yeah, absolutely. And the guy who played the mannequin, what was his name? Troy? No. Mannequin Bo. Bo. Bo, right, right. He was really funny. He, he was, was good at being like that, like kind of golden retriever guy that, you know, it's just <laughs> everything's positive and happy. And yeah. He was adorable. Giant doll of a butterscotch. It worked. Yes. I was, I was so happy that I watched this. I'll say it started off slow. Right? Same. Like 20 minutes. I was just like, oh God, what did I get myself into? Mm-hmm. But then when shit starts rolling, yes, I was so happy. It- Even Eddie who hates these movies was like <laughs> at the point where it panned back to the window and the female mannequin was gone. He was like, yes. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. It is similar to in many ways to last year when we did the truth about Christmas. And like the first 20 minutes you're like, Oh, this is another, just another one of these movies. And then like, it hits a point where you're like, Oh no, this movie is doing something else. Yeah. And that's what this one. So before we um, even do the plot, want to mention this was um directed by jim fall who is one of the probably like more esteemed directors of these movies he directed the lizzie mcguire movie oh okay and trick which i didn't see but did you see it i feel like it's one that you've seen the 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 gay movie the gay movie with tori spelling (laughs) yes a hundred percent which is really good that was one of the movies where tori spelling's bad acting worked for her because she's playing a bad actress. Mm, yeah. And so it, it played well in the part. I love that movie. I didn't know he did this. Yeah. So, I mean, that this guy, the guy behind the camera has some chops. Uh, the writers, it's two writers, both female, Justine Kogan-Gunn and Andrea Janikas. Um, Neither one of them have a lot of credits or anything I recognized. And this is one that I'm trying to figure out because I came off of one a couple of weeks ago called um, Naughty or Nice where I'm like, what is it about this movie that's good? It's because I don't think it's the script. I don't think it's the directing. I think it's just the actors. And in this one, I don't know. It might be all of those things. It's definitely the direction, without question, because this guy can direct comedy. That's important. We've seen a lot of really bad slapstick. I know that's one of the keys that you hit. Oh, yes. And, yeah, and it's always a little painful watching people who don't normally do physical comedy directed by somebody who doesn't understand physical comedy thinking like, oh, it's funny when somebody falls down. Yeah. It's not necessarily. No. As somebody who falls down a do lot, it. sometimes I can tell you it's very funny. Other times, it's not. Yeah, exactly. Well, remember that story about Sandra Bullock doing the, that movie, The Truth About Steve or All About Steve or whatever that movie is? I know the one you mean. It's about Steve yes. Zahn, right? Is he in it or do I just always think I, he's in it because it's called that? He might be in it, but I think it's the guy who played Rocky Rabbit Raccoon or whatever in the Marvel movies. What's his name? You're good with this. Bradley Cooper? Bradley Cooper. I think it's Bradley Cooper, but I could be completely wrong. But on how did this get made, they were talking about it. And uh, during the production, Sandra Bullock was saying, like, you know, during the scene, I'm supposed to run over to him. But if you guys want to put some stuff here, I can trip over that and make it a little funnier. And so they did. And she, like, did a trip. And it was hilarious. And, like, that movie's not funny. It's not good. But her physical comedy she knows what she's doing, yeah. Exactly. And she knew she was like, this scene needs something. It's not going well. Let me add a little (laughs) something. And the physical comedy works, but nothing else did. Good on her. Um, Before we dive in, do you want to give a plot synopsis of this movie? Oh, 100% I do. So typical New York setting. And by by the way, 
it it looks like New York a lot of times to me. Am I just stupid? No, no, it's- no. There are scenes that are very. Here's what this f- film does, and again, it's very. It's a clear where you see there is skill here. What they do is they're taking stock footage, very deliberate stock footage of the Empire State Building, of Rockefeller Center. Yeah. Of, um, and not just like the standard shot of people ice skating at Rockefeller Center. It's like, oh no, that's a street scene of a New York taxi in front of Broadway and 42nd Street. Right. Cut to them, two actors walking down a street that is so clearly not New York. And you can tell just by looking at the buildings and looking at the cleanliness of it of, oh, no, 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 that is absolutely not New York. But so what they did was they were much smarter about how they used their stock footage to frame – what they would do is they would use it to lead into a scene set in, quote, unquote, New York so that they, like, framed it around actual New York footage. Well – I'll say I might be a little daft because I totally believed it. Like the whole time I was like, wow, they filmed in New York. I'm so impressed. <laughs> this is what happens. Marvista. You move to fake Long Island and then suddenly you're like not a real New Yorker anymore. <laughs> right. I forget what it looks like. I'm like, everybody does have a Canadian accent in New York, right? <laughs> Pretty sure. Yes, we spell color with an O with a U. <laughs> right. But okay, back to the plot. So the movie centers around holiday. It's a very, uh, excuse me, Holly. And it's a very typical setup. She works at an ad agency, which is one of those like movie jobs that nobody actually ever has. <laughs> and means. on Christmas Eve or right around Christmas, her boss comes to her and says they're getting a new account for a diamond company and they need to get the, the um, print ad done before Christmas. It's the, because, every, as we all know, it's the busiest time of the year. Everybody works nonstop all through Christmas. Oh, yeah. So she's paired up with her coworker, Milo. Who I, I get the feeling maybe I missed something, but I think he's somewhat new to the company and he's a little green. And I'm not exactly sure why the boss paired them up. Did you get that? Well, I, no. What I got was that um, he's been there long enough to uh, to be madly in love with Holly. Obviously. Um, I think he came from like the Associated Press. Right. There's a scene where he goes through like what he used to do before, where he was like a real photographer. Because he's the photographer, right? Right. And well, but he didn't photograph anything. Which is I really know. Funny. Well, he did. He just remember because he kind of gets shuffled off of the big shoot. But I think that was the point. Was that like he's been working there now for a while to where they're close? But I think he has a scene where he talks about his old job, and that's why you're confused. Okay. Okay. So Milo and Holly have to work together. He's obviously madly in love with her. Um, but she is looking for someone perfect, and which was a little confusing because Milo is fairly traditionally attractive. Yeah, there's you know, really for, nothing wrong athlete. with Milo other than him kind of having that whiny, um, entitled, nice guy thing to him. Yeah, and brown hair, gag me, gross. <laughs> uh, oh, we're on different different so planes there. Well, she's looking for someone for Mister Perfect. Everything has to be perfect with Holly. And the thing about her character is too, she's not an asshole about it like it would be very easy to paint her as like a a jerk you know that she Mm -hmm. needs everything perfect and she's very regimented and difficult to work with she wasn't she's actually very pleasant and amicable and And all of her co-workers like her yeah exactly and but she does she is looking for perfection in a man she wants this fairy tale dream book story so she's walking along one day something happens and she trips and falls on the streets of real New York and gets knocked unconscious right next to a window display of a, of a mannequin and uh, two mannequins, a man and a woman in a picturesque, beautiful scene. 
Um, when she wakes up, there's an incredibly handsome blonde man standing over her. He takes her to the hospital, I think, to get checked out. Oh, no. He just walks her back to her office. Right. He's like, I'm sure your head's fine. Let's just take you back to your office. Haven't had any complaints. <laughs> Zing. Um, and then they start dating, and he is perfect. He has the perfect apartment. Uh, he's the perfect man. He uh, is Everything is decorated perfectly. And when uh, things don't go perfectly, he freaks out a little bit. Amazingly. One of, my, one of my favorite scenes when Holly knocks over the wine glass and breaks it, just the look on his face, he's just he's frozen in terror. He can't move and he's and, just And his, his reaction is so wonderful. It really is genuinely funny. He's a great actor. Mm-hmm. I was really, really impressed by him. So... Anyway, Holly starts to realize, like, maybe I don't want perfection. Maybe I want a little somebody a little rough and tumble with brown hair, I guess. <laughs> and quickly realizes that, that she doesn't want the perfection. She wants her coworker, and then they fall in love, and then it's all a dream, and the end. <laughs> yeah, you skirted over that last part, and I I don't think you should have. <laughs> yeah, I guess I kind of buried the lead. We kind not of not even a lead, but it's... a twist. Because I'm watching this movie and I'm trying to figure out, because, I mean, he clearly he's the mannequin. And at one point, um, there's another mannequin that comes to life, but we never see the mannequin come to life. And I'm like... disappears from the window. Well, yeah. And then when he, when he brings his parents, he introduces her to his parents. And you're, you're really trying to figure this out. You're like, how are they going to explain this? Like... In the world of the movie. In the right? world like, of how... the movie, there's nothing else supernatural going on. Yeah. She didn't, like, bump into Santa Claus. She didn't spill uh, magical hot chocolate on herself. Like, right. where is the magic coming from? And as soon as he started interacting with other people, I'm like, oh, so he is real. Other people can see him. And right. then when the parents show up, I'm like, wait, did, wait how how is this going to work? And then it works at the end by, it's all a dream. But yeah. we still have five minutes, so now let's wrap up this dream in a really like specific way where we address all of these things. I got to jump back to about his parents. Uh, the, the mom was played, I don't recognize the father, but even though he looks a little like Alan Alda, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, like a poor man's Alan Alda, definitely. Yeah, but the, the, uh, the mother was Robin Riker. I just looked her up. I never knew her name, but I love this actress. She, since I was a little kid. I loved this actress. She was on Brothers on Showtime. Uh, do you, does that mean anything to you? Do you it remember does the not. show Brothers? No. So it was the very first gay representation I oh, ever saw on television. Fascinating. It was three brothers. One of them owned a, owned a bar. The other one was like kind of doofy, and he was the comic relief, and he was a little stupid. And then the youngest of the brothers came came out to their family, and it was all about them coming to terms and working together. And he had a. Um, a hilarious uh, gay best friend, you know, flamboyant gay best friend played by God. He directs now he's a big director and I can't remember his name, but anyway, she was fantastic. She was the cocktail waitress at this bar and she was always very acerbic and funny and sexy. And then later she was on get a life. Um, <gasps> was, she wife? get a life. was she the wife? Was she the neighbor's wife? Oh my God. Yes. Okay. That's I love her. her life. I've always loved this actress. She just has a great voice. Beautiful. Can, can do comedy, a little bit of drama. She's wonderful. So um, that was wait, a big wait, you're not done with me. her. You're not done with her. Two episodes oh, of Murder, she wrote, which is a given. Oh, yeah. But did you know, most importantly, 1997, she guest starred on a little TV show you might have heard of called Buffy, the Vampire Slayer. Oh, my God. 
She's the cheerleader's mom. She is Catherine Madison in the episode Witch. Yeah. That's right. How could I have forgotten that? I love that actress. I was so excited when she popped up. Yeah, and, she and she's in one too. scene, and she is fantastic. And so the boyfriend, um, remind me his name again? Bo. <laughs> what was it? Bo. <laughs> Bo, thank you. Bo is going to come over to cook dinner for, for uh, Holly, and he says, I'll make it really special. But he shows up with his parents, and it's their <laughs> second date. Yes. And he's he's already talking about they're going to go on their honeymoon and how many kids they're going to have. And so it's awkward to begin with, but then the parents are – Obviously, mannequins too that somehow came to life. Yes. <laughs> Which I want. Such... I want a side spinoff movie of just. You know what I want? I don't even want a movie. I just want a. Um, Would you call it like you know? Remember in fifth grade when you had to watch like the sex ed video? Yeah. About like becoming a woman and getting your period, and this is pregnancy, and this is that. I want that for mannequins. Elaborate on that. <laughs> well. I mean, you have two mannequins like how they reproduce? who had a child. Yes. How did that happen when they have no genitalia? Well, from my understanding, when they become human, they get genitalia. They grow it. So did they become human, birth a mannequin, turn back into mannequins, then turn back human? Is it, you know, I mean, the movie has, yeah. has a couple of plot holes and that's a yeah. small one. I'm assuming that Bo doesn't have a dick when he's a mannequin. I don't think that, like, somebody's going to carve a dick for a mannequin. Usually I think it's just not. Depend- I guess it depends on what clothing line we're talking. Possibly. But so I think that when he turns back into a mannequin, it kind of sucks up inside you, like, when it's really cold. Ooh, but when, okay. when he transforms into a human, I think it kind of sprouts, like those uh, fast-motion <laughs> images of a plant growing. See, how do I not want that movie? I want that, I want that movie of, like... Just the, um, like that scientific picture where it's like 2D and you just see it animated and it just. Yeah. <laughs> right. Dick? No dick. Any questions? Exactly. <laughs> I, and, you know, I got the feeling it reminded me of the old Twilight Zone about the mannequins about to come to life for one day. Do you remember yeah. that one? Yes, I do. That was such a good one. And, you know, it's funny when you watch that one. This is a complete tangent, but the woman's name is Marsha in it. Do you remember? <gasps> Um, vaguely, so, yeah. This is the second Twilight Zone reference we've had. This stuff, really? which makes you know what though? I'm surprised we haven't talked more Twilight Zone with stocking stuffers because almost every one that involves a small town could be a Twilight Zone episode. Oh, absolutely! Yeah. The old woman who probably killed her husband that works at the bus yep, station and who I'm wakes sure up in this there. small town where right. everybody celebrates Christmas all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Castle Rock with a Christmas. Totally. Bed. But the, the mannequin, the female mannequin in that Twilight, her name was Marsha. And there's the scene where she's walking through the mall and all the mannequins, she hears them all whispering and they all start saying her name. And they're saying, Marsha, 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 Marsha. And that's what every time I watch that episode, it, I, I, hear I was you. thinking, Jan Brady, Marsha, <laughs> Marsha, Marsha. But anyway, back to Holly's Holiday, which side note, how has there never been a movie called Holly's Holiday? Well, and it's almost a waste because um, they don't do anything with that. Like, I feel like there was a more clever title that didn't, and I mean, her name is Holly, and it's not never even like a Christmas thing in the movie, but like her name didn't even have to be Holly. Save the title, because I feel like a lot of these movies are made the way Roger Corman used to make a movie, where it's like, here's a poster and a title, will you give me $50,000 to make it? So it's like, here's Holly's Holiday, here's a woman, and there's two attractive men next to her, here's the movie. And that didn't have to be this movie, like, because you could have done, I don't know, like... I can't, Mandy's I'm, mannequin. 
<laughs> yeah, like uh, Christmas on the move, as in Mannequin 2 on the move. Oh, you know, that's good. I mean, I'm just or spitballing. There's better ones if I thought about it. Felicia's fleshy mound. Representing his genitals again. Yeah, the point is that Mannequin Mistletoe, there's a lot that could have been done. Yeah. Um, but but we we have a movie. Should we dive into the tropes? A hundred percent. Okay. Because so, I, I kicked up some of them off. One of my favorite ones was in this movie that you've already referenced. So I'm really excited about this. Good, good. So we start with our lead in need of a lesson. And do you think Holly needs to learn a lesson? Yeah, that everything can't be perfect yeah, all the time. Yeah. Sorry, Holly. Loosen up. Brown hair's not that bad, Holly. Well, and Holly, who has fabulous hair the entire time, even when her friend's like, your hair. And it's like, I wish my hair looked like that. Uh, Holly. But quick side note, she's likable, right? This actress, like she's not I thought not she was wooden. great. Yeah. Yeah. I actually found her, because in the beginning I was like, oh, here's her workaholic. But very quickly, like, she's, I mean, she's doing her job. Like, she's not a ridiculous workaholic, and she's not overly called out for it. Like, it right. seems like she kind of has to work that hard to do what she's doing. Yeah. Um, but I thought the actress, like, I have a theory that comes up later on an actor, but as I'm watching, I'm like, I feel like a lot of the actors in this movie weren't necessarily like big film actors, but had a comedy background. Yeah, I got that. Because a lot of the timing was good. Her best friend was yep. great. Yep. Yeah, and it's a lot of like well. making the right, like the facial expressions, like you're saying the timing, like she's really, her face is great in the movie. Like she knows how to sell it. And it, I, I didn't look too much. I didn't recognize anything else she'd done. But I wouldn't be surprised if, like, she probably spent time with different comedy troops. Like, that's kind of what I felt from her and a couple of the other actors here. Yeah, absolutely. And I bet she's been in done a million of these, too. I didn't right. look her up much, but I bet she's, like, done comedy, romantic comedy all her life. And she knows how to sell it and mm-hmm. she knows what people want. Yeah. yeah. So I thought she was great. Yeah. Her name is Claire Coffee, by the way. Oh, great name, too. Right, right. Love that. Uh, Number two is our setting, you know, the big bad city or charming small town. And here, obviously, it's a big bad city. Yeah, right. And the ad agency is very representative of that. Yes. You know, it's a world filled with models and, Mm -hmm. you know, money and glitz and you have to work all the time. And it's just the worst of the worst. Um, I will say, so the apartments now... Um, his apartment, they say like, oh, it's a perfect apartment. And her apartment, when you see hers, you're like, she has a kitchen island. Have you ever been in a New York City apartment that had a kitchen island? Yeah, I would kill for a kitchen island. Exactly. I would kill you for a kitchen island. You should. And kill I love me. you. That, that's yeah, fine. Yeah, thank you. You would understand. I would ask for you to make it quick and painless, but I would totally I would, understand. I swear, it. I promise. Yeah. yeah. That was a great apartment, and I'm sorry that sofa did need to move. Oh. It shouldn't be backed up against the, the door like that. That. So I'm sorry, Bo was correct in that No, situation. but I and I am totally with her on the I stub my toe on it every day since you moved it. And again, that's <laughs> a really funny line. I think I wrote that down somewhere. Um we could because he does, he's like, Your your sofa should be here and he moves it. And later she has a line, she's like, Do you know how many times I've stubbed my toe? These manolos were white. Now they're red. Yeah. With <laughs> blood. <laughs> it's a funny, funny line for these movies. Um <laughs> And the one other thing I liked, the very New York thing, which we always make a joke about, whenever um, I order, if, I, if I'm if i making garlic bread, I'll usually, I like to get a baguette, because then I cut it down the middle, mm-hmm. and I, you know, garlic bread it up. And if I ever get it from the grocery store and I come home, 
my husband always kind of makes a joke. He's like, you're supposed to carry that home in a brown paper bag with it poking (laughs) out of the top. And in this case, when the parents come over to make veal piccata for um, Holly, they're carrying a brown paper bag with the French bread sticking out of the top. So if you can think of a better way to carry a baguette, I'd like to hear it, Emily. No, there is no other way. I mean, no, there isn't. It's like it's I, I just to be done. sometimes I feel as though I know we've gotten away from like we're supposed to be bringing our own bags now to supermarkets. And I do. Don't judge me. But yeah. I still feel like I should bring my own paper bag just so I can put the baguette in the paper bag and carry <laughs> it <laughs> like a good 80s New York heroine. Yep. That's how you have to live your life. Yeah. Like it or not. All right, number three is our bland love interest, and we have two in this case, do we not? Yeah, absolutely. And as as kind of traditionally attractive as what is it, Milo? Milo is he is bland. Like there's not he. I couldn't picture him. He's not a leading man, but he's fine. Yeah, I, you know what it is. It's because he's short. Just admit it. I guess so, but I mean, also he just didn't have much of a personality. I was a little disappointed. I would expect. I expected them. I don't know. I expected him to be a little more charming and quirky because that's what he his character is written. Mm, yeah. Where, like, why did you ever go into advertising? Like, his entire thing is like, let's not use models. I hate models. Let's use real people. I'm like, why are you working here? <laughs> like, if, if, if obviously you hate that. So he was an interesting character, but the actor didn't bring much to it. I was a little disappointed in Milo. If I had well, to find the biggest negative, it's him. That's fair. So the actor, he's on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. He's been on there the last year, I guess. And he's oh. really good on it. He's actually, like, a very funny character. The actor's name is Jeff Ward. Um, he plays Deke, I think is the character. And his, it, you, you, don't, you haven't watched S.H.I.E.L.D. like since the beginning, right? Right. Okay. First season. It, is, it, it has shockingly become a great show. It, it, built, it got better every year. It's really come into its own. And his character on the show is one of the more comedic elements. And he's very funny on it. So I was excited when I'm like, oh, he's the leading man in a Hallmark movie or a, not a fake Hallmark movie. And he's it, it's funny because I think I probably had I not had my kind of built in um, appreciation of him from S.H.I.E.L.D. I may feel the same way you do. But I think because I'm like, oh, it's Deke in a Christmas movie, uh, I probably liked him a little more. At the same time, I also kind of, I hate this trope of character. I hate the nice guy who doesn't understand why the girl doesn't love him and thinks that she's wrong about the way she lives her life. And I do feel like there is something very dangerous about that in kind of a post-Gamergate type world. Um, And I, I feel like that's a little bit there. Right, and there was no reason, you know, Holly was cordial to him, they went out together, she invited him to go places. There's no reason he couldn't have ever, in the, t- the entire time he knew her, said, hey, would you like to go out sometime? Because mm-hmm. they were together all the time, and she liked him, and they, they did things together. Yeah. So it's not like there was a big barrier to him, like, making a move. He was just, like, not doing it. It's your own fault, Milo. Yeah, so instead he's just, like, moody and miserable about it, and very judgy of her for it and mm-hmm. yeah i just it's it's not my favorite i know this was like used to be the way we did romances in the 80s and 90s of like oh you don't you don't see the the nice guy there the whole time but i think a it's almost never the reverse gender but that's right. the point um and b like i feel like that's something that's aged very poorly and as a woman, like, I, I don't like that, and I don't like it turning out that he's the right one for her. Like, so again, that, that's a little bit of a, of a downer I have for this movie, especially because Bo is so good. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's also terrible and terrible to her. And, you know, if somebody fucked up with my job, if a guy I was, I had three dates with, um, right. like called and behind my back changed work I was doing, I would dump his ass on the spot and probably sue him. But the character is very funny. Yeah, I agree. And there is the scene where Milo goes off on a rant about how, you know, women don't appreciate the nice guy that's Ugh. right there and they go out and they're looking for models and blah, blah. So that is a little troubling and very bro-y. Yes. That, yeah, I didn't that like made me uncomfortable. Yeah. Yep. hundred percent. Yep. Um, all right. Number four is the montage. Oh, God. You'll appreciate this. Uh, I was excited to talk to you because there's obviously the montage of them working. Uh, yep. You know, like staying up late at night and he's asleep and then he's throwing a paper ball at her. Mm-hmm. And it Remember the episode of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, the last season that was the parody of the – did you watch the final season? Yes. yes. The parody of a romantic comedy and it's her boss, the blonde guy that, that she dated for a yeah. while. And there's the nerdy girl in the office and he decides that he has to live his life. It was exactly like that. <laughs> that episode completely nailed so what it was right. like. Yeah. It was so good. It was yeah. like scene for scene. They stole you were it. Totally from that right. Yeah. Movie. I wonder if they used that as as inspiration. They might have, because it was them like eating late at night and laughing at each yep. other's jokes all over a song. It was fantastic. I will say I like they used a kind of acoustic guitar car- uh, version of Carol of the Bells. Yeah. That I kind of liked. Yeah, it wasn't bad at all. No. And I would maybe make a statement that the openings, the credits. Is mm-hmm. a putting together a mannequin montage? Wait, I don't remember it very well. The oh, opening shit. credits to this movie are just like the yeah. credits of the movie. And while that's happening, it's like putting an arm on a mannequin, putting the head on the mannequin, turning the head to face the camera. Oh, really? I it's actually kind of that. ominous. And it made me really excited because I'm like, the mannequin's going to come alive. And it, like, Again, slightly disappointed that we didn't get more mannequins are fucking creepy, and here's one that tur- that turned human. Right, um, but it, it's there, so I would give it a bonus point for that. Okay, yeah, wow, two two montages. Yeah, good on you, Holly. Okay. Holiday. Uh, number five, though, dead parents. I don't think no. I don't think anybody had dead parents. No, I don't think so either. Yeah. Holly's parents were somewhere else, and she just couldn't go home. Yep. to see them. The mannequin's parents were came awesome. and visited and are fantastic. I feel like we should uh, get yeah. bonus points because they were great. They were. They it's they're worth the movie. I want to see it. You know, you ever watch a movie that you like? There's a minor minor character and you want to see a spinoff. You see, you oh, do yes. this all the time. Oh yes. Like, I I kind of wanted. I've always wanted to see a movie about Nancy's mom in a Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> you know, kind of boozy and yes. orange and really killed a guy once. Like she lived a life. <laughs> I would watch the hell out of that movie. And constantly getting confused for Virginia Madsen. Yes, and constantly like a big carrot, Virginia Madsen. Yep, yep. <laughs> but yeah, they. I would watch a movie about those parents. Yep, they were wonderful. Uh, now, number six is the sassy sidekick. In spades, we got the sassy we sidekick. Do. Yeah, she's great. And she was dating the one. Oh, this is going to sound judgmental of me, but, you know, she's dating a model. I did not buy that little short man as a model. <laughs> Well, aren't sometimes male models, aren't they kind I'm trying to remember. There was one year of a reality show that came out after America's Next Top Model was like in its heyday. There was one attempt to do a modeling show that was, I think, just men or men and women. And I want to say Carmen Electra hosted it, but I might be wrong. 
And in the first episode, there was like a guy that was like six five, and he got eliminated because they were like, "Oh, models aren't usually that tall." Oh, really? But if you're a male model posing with female models, you would have to be very tall because female models are typically 5'10 and up. Exactly, because I'm thinking back to Desperate Housewives where Gabby was allegedly a former runway model. Which was always a joke because she's like 5'3". Yeah, there's no way she'd ever be a runway model. So I don't – I'm not sure. Maybe I was completely wrong, but I was like, come on, cast a model. Yeah, I'm not sure for men. I, I don't know how it works. Yeah, obviously, I don't, I don't either. No, but I mean, I, neither one of us have a lot of experience with the world of male modeling, I would assume. But, Again. you know, I did used to work at Out Magazine, oh. um, and models would come in all the time. And, oh, my God, I was just going to get a big poncho and braces. I felt like Ugly <laughs> Betty there every day. It was uh, so awkward. I had to oh, walk into a modeling agency once when I was dog walking, and I had to do, like, a, a substitute dog walk. And my boss was like, Okay, this dog, like, you're going to go to the agency. They have the, the dog, like, hangs out there, and you take it out for a walk. Just, I'm warning you ahead of, my boss said to me, she's like, I'm warning you ahead of time. Don't don't look at anybody. You are going to walk out feeling so <laughs> short and so wrong. Yeah. And it really was just like, oh, hi, everybody yeah. that I'm looking, I, that I'm literally looking up to. <laughs> right. Well, there was... I, have I told you the story about when I went to see the cast of Veronica Mars at Macy's? I don't think years so. Ago? So they were going to be there signing autographs, and I was so excited. It was the height of Veronica Mars. It was like season one, the, the summer between season one and two. So Weevil hadn't got fat yet, and I was super excited <laughs> to like meet everybody. And um, I got there, and there was a huge line outside. And I got online, and I stood there for 20 to 30 minutes. And then finally, with somebody with a clipboard came up and said, can, can I help you with something? And I was like, yeah, I'm just here for the, for the show, for the, to, to see the, meet the people from the show. And they're like, well, this is casting. I was like, casting for Veronica Mars? You're casting people? Like extras? And she was like, no, this is the tryouts for America's Next Top Model. And I looked around, and all the people next to me were like six-foot glasses on. <laughs> and I had stood there for 20 minutes, and I know they were like, what is this guy doing here? Is this like a joke? Is he going to try to... All right. But they just let me stand there. You should have stayed. For 20 damn minutes. I should have. You could have been the William <laughs> Hung of America's Next Top Model. <laughs> and then when they reject me, I could be like, I can't go back to Buffalo. <laughs> I just I can't. can't. <laughs> oh, God. I used to love that show so much. God, it was the best line ever from that show. I loved her. Oh, anyway, back um, to the tropes. I'm sorry. There's no, it's okay. There are so many random moments in life that I I reference. Of it's with, side note, of funny. I'm try. I always try to figure out as we as I record these, like, oh, what song am I going to use at the end? And usually, it's I try to find something Christmassy, but that's something that like has to do with something we talk about. And all I can think now is my favorite. Um, thing that I find myself quoting on America's Next Top Model is it's the season, I don't know if you watched this far, it was like season 11 or something, when they had, um, it was America and Britain, Britain, where they had the girls that didn't win England's Next Top Model competing against Americans. And in one episode, they all had to make up, they had to to do their own music video and they had to write the music. And I'll never forget the one girl who is British, and her verse went, y'all know me, I'm Sophie. (laughs) (laughs) There are so many times in life that I want to just quote that, and rarely is it appropriate, because my name is not Sophie. (laughs) 
but if there's if there is a god then that song is on youtube and i will play it at the end of this episode god damn it god willing uh but we didn't finish talking about our sassy sidekick um so gabrielle dennis who you might know from Luke Cage in season two. She oh. was um, uh, Alfred Woodard's daughter in season two. Okay. Um, I didn't recognize her, but I, I watched that season. Okay, the other thing you would probably... I mean, she shows up on a lot of things now. Oh, and you should watch that season, just because Alfred Woodard gets to do gets more screen time, and she's the best. No, I did watch that season. I just didn't recognize okay. her. Okay. Yes, yeah, so she's in that. And then the other big thing that she's in that... Um, is where I where I kind of started thinking about the whole comedy background on everybody. She is one of the stars and I guess writers of uh, Black Lady Sketch Show. Oh, okay, great. Yeah. There was a person on a podcast that I listened to that made. Is that on HBO? Yes, Black Lady Sketch. Okay, I don't have HBO anymore, which is why I have to find somebody's password. Oh, so remind if me. Anybody I'll listen... later. Off, off air oh. so that everybody doesn't have it. Okay, thank you. I appreciate that because I'm dying for Watchmen and now I want to watch Insecure too. I've heard great things about oh, that as, as and the Black Lady Sketch Show. Yes. I have a lot of work to do. Yes, so she's in that. So she's And with her, what I find, I feel like as an actress, she's still like, because I felt this way with Luke Cage. I'm like, she doesn't fully feel right on camera. Like she there's something that doesn't click about her on screen where I believe her, but I think she does have clearly like have comedic chops. And I wonder too, with her, if it's that she probably has like a pretty big theater background and a sketch background and all that. So where she has it, but just hasn't like fully, doesn't fully fit on camera yet. But, but on Black Lady Sketch Show, she works. So that's why I'm thinking like, I'm like, it's just a matter of like her kind of seeing what expressions work? Because I think she tries really hard in this movie, and sometimes it totally clicks, and sometimes it feels like she's trying very hard. Well, you know, it's funny. You can how do you can spot that? Remember, you watched Friends, didn't you? A little bit, yeah. Uh, well, Ross's ex-wife Carol, yes. his her new wife, whose name is escaping me right now, but the actress. Every time she was on, she was ve- she would project everything like you know, <laughs> to the back of the room, yep, yep, and yep. I was like, oh. She's a theater lady. She doesn't yes. know that she's mic'd right now. <laughs> you can always pick up on that. Like those actresses that couldn't go into talkies. Yes. She's really struggling. Yeah. And usually it just takes time and then they just kind of figure that out. So, but I do yeah, like her. I think it. she has a big career ahead of her and she's fun in this movie. Like, yeah. Yeah. And she, of course she wears funny. big earrings as all sassy sidekicks must. And I kind of expected her to be an asshole when the show started yep. because I, or when the movie started, I think she said one little catty thing about somebody's outfit. And I thought that was going to be her character, but it really wasn't. No. <laughs> I think the I think the outfit was just shit. I <laughs> think she just had to say it. And what I like too, something about this movie that it does that isn't like normally done in these movies, it really does establish like a sort of rhythm of their friendship and relationship. Like they talk, and and like she talks to Milo at one point, and you don't usually get that in these movies. Right. You wouldn't have characters that didn't have to directly interact interact because it's a waste of screen time. But in this movie, like, it makes sense that at some point her and Milo are going to talk and he's going to she's going to be like, oh, wow, he had some things to say that I hadn't thought of. And that it's just like something you don't see in like the very, very cookie cutter Hallmark. Yeah, they could have done done away with that scene, but they gave everybody a little bit of time to shine. I appreciated that. Yeah. Uh, We also have other sidekicks. We have the like 
a lot of a lot of times these movies will do the um, like main A storyline romance, and then there's like yes. the, the B story romance of the supporting characters, and so you do have the mousy sidekick or the mousy assistant and the um, IT guy, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who um, looked so much like Milo? I thought at times I, I got confused. I thought so too. Yeah. Yeah, I'm that I'm that guy. I can't have two people with brown hair in a movie. I'm sorry. They just look all alike. I, I can usually handle it, but in this case, there were times that I'm like, "Why is she flirting with?" Oh no, okay, I get it. Yeah. Uh, number seven yeah. is the evil woman or boss, and we get kind of variations mm. on both because we have a boss, right? Who's kind of intense, right? He's very like, "I need this campaign mm. on Christmas Eve." Yeah, I wouldn't call him evil, though. No. Like, I, I don't think he actively tries to, you know, break anybody or destroy anybody's career. He's just like, this is the work we have to do. Yep, it kind of sucks. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then as far as evil women go, we, we don't have an evil no. woman, but we have a, vil- a villainous woman or a woman who causes havoc. Kind of. But it's kind of cut down, by the way, isn't it? Like, <laughs> Every time she starts to do something bad, they're like, "No, no, no! That we don't. We're not doing that here." <laughs> You're really right. Yeah. Then we're talking, of course, about the other mannequin who comes to life, who is like trying to sort of like ruin Claire's life. Claire, Claire is the actor. I think Claire was the title. This is the problem with these movies. They all of the actors or the characters have like one of three names. So I usually end up calling everybody Holly because it's safer. Because when in doubt, <laughs> somebody's name is Holly. Um, but in this case, it was it was Holly. Uh, right, like she's kind of trying to to like destroy Holly's life, but again, nobody buys it, and she gets around it very well. Um, yeah, and she was great too. That actress was really good. Yeah. I, I looked her up to see if I recognized her from anything, and I really don't. No, same. Um, I, yeah, but she was really good. She, she was. She was like, you know, who she reminded me of. Do you, do you remember the uh, sequel to? Hold on, I'm going to get there. Um, Urban Legend. The sequel to Urban Legend. I've never seen uh, Urban Legend to Bloody Mary. Oh no, that's or Final three. Cut. No, I've never seen. It. I've only seen the first one. Oh shit, girl! I know. Urban Legend two. What is have I been amazing. doing with my life? It's, I've heard it really that. is the most '90s movie you'll ever see. Um, everything about it, from like the brown eyeliner or brown uh, eyeshadow mm-hmm. to like the performative lesbians, and like yep. it has everything that the '90s was all chokers, about. Are there chokers or why? There's a lot of okay. oh, a lot of those. Yeah, um, but there's an actress in here who is like kind of the comic relief, and she was absolutely hilarious, and she didn't ended up not doing much as far as I know. But the, that that actress reminded me of her, but it wasn't. But hmm. she's great. She should be comic relief more often. She yeah. was really, really fun. Agreed. Agreed. I know number eight is slapstick, of which we have a lot. And yeah. what I like about it is at first some of it is just like kind of dumb and just kind of simple. And oh, she trips on Christmas lights. And oh, she falls on car- car- carolers. But then it like slowly reveals itself to be really well uh, intention slapstick, if you will. Yeah. Expl- um, explain. Okay, so you get, like, the simple ones of just establishing, like, she's gonna fall, she hits her head, then we get the wine spilling, where she spills wine and he flips out right. about it. Um, yeah. You get my favorite when the ma- when the girl mannequin comes to life and comes in and walks into the photo shoot and just pushes the assistant out of the oh, way. Yeah. That was great. And then even better, she like <laughs> smacks the Christmas tree and it falls on top of the assistant. And you yes. just hear, ow. 
like that's really good. That's really funny. Like it really and- took the simplest slapstick but understood exactly how to time things so that it really, really clicked. And that push, when she pushes that assistant, it, there's no hesitation to nope. it. She just like right in, push her down. And I didn't see it coming. And it was, it was played really, really it's well. so sudden. And like, I'm watching, I'm like, they must've had like, she must've pushed her into a ball pit. Like, because she really does just push her and she flies. And it's yeah. funny. It's really funny. Yeah. That and then some, even the great. very final slip, which is when, um, you know, she's realized she's in love with Milo. So she runs out of the Christmas party in her like little sheath dress Milo's. in the middle of winter um, right. and is running in very high heels on the streets of New York and slow motion falls in such a ridiculous way that I'm like, that's intentional. Yeah. And, you know, arms up, legs akimbo. Yep. She really sold that. She did. Yeah. And I think the director, yeah. like, understood when to use the slow motion to the exact right effect. Yeah. I have, yeah, I have very little bad to say about this movie. <laughs> no! Was great. I am so shocked. Um, I'll, I know what I have. Number nine, do we have a good sage old person? Um, I don't, not that I can remember, no. I don't think we do. We don't really get no. a lot of old people at all. Like, we get his parents who are amazing, but they don't really give any good advice. Yeah, not at all. Yeah. No, I guess not. So they're bucking the trend. Yeah, and similarly, no Santa Claus. Nope. Yeah. Not at all. We have some have some carolers. We do, yes. That, we do have a lot that of are carolers. Like the, the Greek choir of the Dressed film. Dressed up the in very Dickensian wear, yes. Yeah. Uh, but on to the bonuses, there. public domain holiday songs. Obviously, yes. Yes, quite a few, including many a sung by carolers. Uh, cloying children. I don't think there were any no. children in this movie. No, and I loved it. Me too. Um, Me too. That's always my least favorite trope. Yeah. Just children shouldn't be actors. Uh, maybe, like one or two, yeah. like Dakota Fanning. I think that's the only one we'll ever need. Well, because the and problem, I think she's like forty now. I think something like that. The prompt There's another one though, right? There's always another one younger than her. The problem with kids in these movies is it, it's really hard for me to come like. I'm not going to not complain on this podcast when I'm doing stocking stuffers particular in particular, I'm not going to not complain when a kid's like terrible, but I have to make it very clear that I'm not blaming the kid. Like that's because you have a director who doesn't care enough to get a better performance out of him or her. Right. But I still kind of have be, have to feel like an asshole to be like, yeah, this kid can't act. Yeah. I, and I don't want to be put in that situation. No. So just you stop know- putting kids in your movies. What, who was it on Days of Our Lives? Melissa? Was that the blonde? Was that her name? Or was that her real name? Jennifer. You're thinking of Melissa Reeves, who played Jennifer yes. Horton. Who played Jennifer, Jennifer. Horton Brady. Her, her daughter on the show was just the worst little kid, the worst little actress. And she was cute, but like there were scenes where Jennifer, Melissa, would be talking to her, and the kid is just like looking off in the distance and like you know, swinging her feet or yep. picking her nose. She just was not present. She wasn't there. And it's I admire re- good kid actors, but like these, obviously, they don't have a desire. They don't have a passion. Well, in it's these movies, they're never getting paid a lot. So right. unless they're like the kids of the director, who's like, "Look, you can do my movie, or I can get an allowance, or else you you're staying in your room all weekend." Like that's kind of how I feel about a lot of the performances in these. So right. it's good and, when they don't have kids. Like, don't even bother. Yeah. So that was great. 
good option. Yeah. Uh, ice skating. We get some stock ice skating in the opening. Yeah, right. That's just about it. Canadianisms. <laughs> I didn't look where this was filmed. I feel like it must have I been filmed either. in Canada. Let's see. Probably. I, d- I can't think of any right off the top of my head. I mean, it just, it felt fairly, um, filming, look, I never know where they have that. Um, ooh, uh, I got distracted here for a minute. I said there was an alternate title to this movie. There's a few more alternate titles. Oh my God, lay it on me. Oh, okay, there's only one good one. Because um, the rest are just um, A Perfect Christmas in Different Languages. Okay. Which is fun. Like, in France, it's known as Un Cadeau de Noël Prescois Parfait. Uh, in oh, German, so Ein Perfectus Weintkutschkun. But more importantly, in the working title was Mr. Christmas. Oh, I like that. That could have worked really well. Yeah, Mr. Christmas. Again, I feel like there's a there's a better, not better movie, but a more fitting movie to be made to that title. Yeah, you're probably right. Like Mr. Christmas, they're doing a competition for a calendar, and whoever gets voted the best gets to be the December Mr. Christmas uh, calendar month. Or that's good. Or even going along the trope of this film, like Holly wants a perfect Christmas, and there uh, somebody comes to life like a you know little toy soldier or something that is so into Christmas that it kind of makes her sick and she realizes like okay I don't want it to be that perfect I just want to have a fun Christmas with my friends and so she leaves and runs to Milo and then they go to like serendipity to get frozen hot chocolate I suppose I would watch that movie I mean yeah okay you can watch that one I feel like I need more um Either beefcake calendars or mannequins in mine, but whatever. Why am I fighting so, against beefcake? You're right. No, yours is much better. Yeah, I'm a little surprised. <laughs> <at you. laughs> well, what, who am I? What am I doing? <laughs> uh, character with a Christmas name. Of course, Holly. Holly. And, and Bo's Bo, mom's name Bo. is... Oh, like a holiday bow. I, was, yeah. I wasn't even thinking that. I have a problem. I'm not good at um, thinking through homonyms. Yes. Like Bo, I couldn't even remember the word. Yeah, because hom- homonyms and homophones. Oh, no, I'm wrong. Homophones. Homophones sound the same. Phonics. Homonyms are spelled the same. So oh, resume and resume different. are homonyms. Bo, Nims. bo, bo are homophones. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. So when I, when I like hear somebody's name and I hear it in my head, it was spelled B-O like Bo Brady of Days of Our Lives. Um, I never even think of it being spelled as B-E-A-U or as um, B-O-W. But yes, we can call him a Christmas Bo. To me, I always think of either Bo Brady, obviously, Mm. or um, Bo was She-Ra's boyfriend on Uh, She-Ra as well. Uh, Bo's mother's name is also named Carol, which could be a Christmas Oh, Carol. there it is. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Christmas tree lighting, no. Instead, we get um, a modeling shoot, which we should talk about because it is the greatest scene of the year for, <laughs> yeah, for me. <laughs> oh, 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 and um, who's the photographer? Uh, uh, Drew Drogi was, was the photographer. We got is, a little Drew Drogi Is cameo. he someone? Should I know him? Oh, uh, he does the um, I am, what's her name? The actress. Uh, everybody's yelling it into their earpods right now. She was on Big Love. Uh, Chloe Sevigny. Sevigny. He does the videos where he is Chloe Sevigny. Have you ever watched these? Oh, no, but I know of them. You know of them. That's I know him. of them. He has like a hundred and something credits. Uh, I looked him up again last night. He has like 
how many does he have? Like 130. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been in a lot of gay films, but he's also just like a wit. Oh, and I saw a play. He was in, he did a play a few years ago called Bright Colors and Bold Patterns. Okay. It was a one man play. It was down in the village. Amazing. He nice. carried this, he carried the stage for two hours. He's just, a, you know, America doesn't really have a, a wit. You know, like where it seems like in the UK, they have that. Like he's a national treasure. Mm. He kind of may act. He writes sometimes. He does this. He's like just a, a Stephen Fry pleasure. kind of thing. Yes. Right. Yeah. Exactly. You're right. We don't have that in America. I think Drew Drogi is the closest Renaissance man, wit, national treasure that we have. So if you don't appreciate him yet, you should start. Well, you he's watch amazing. this movie. He has one scene. And it is this wonderful scene where he's supposed to be this fancy fashion photographer. And he's doing a diamond shoot. And it's supposed to be this hot model couple getting engaged. This scene, everything about this scene is perfection because (laughs) they're doing their model thing. So she's like your super stick thin model and he's like your kind of bland, handsome, dumb faced male model. And just the photographer is and this must have been just him improving and just talking because he's just like, okay, uh, you know, you're in love. Love her. You love her. Look at her. You're in love with her. Do you know what love is? Have you ever loved someone? Are you a human being? Is she a human being? Why am I here? What are you doing? It is so funny. And the models do not change their expressions the entire time. So they just keep moving differently. And it really is like by this, by this, this is like pretty late in the movie. So by then I'm already like, I think this is a real movie and I really like it. But at that scene, I'm like, wow, this movie is genuinely funny. Yeah. Drew Drogi can elevate almost any bad, yeah. ba- bad script and not saying that this one is, but if they let him come in and do his own thing, it's going to be brilliant. Yeah. I'm so glad he was there. Oh, it was, and it was amazing. It really was like the highlight of this movie. And the thing that I'm going to always remember this movie for is going to be that one scene. Yeah. He's wonderful. Uh, we did not get any karaoke, although we did get clubbing quote unquote. Yeah. I mean, I that's like love- a New York club, right? Totally. Yeah, obviously. I've been I've been to that one. I, I, I had somebody slip something in my drink there, I think, one time. <laughs> it was crazy, you guys. They don't even know. In your very fancy martini that the bartender is, yeah. like, totally cool with making and then you walking away, even though it probably costs, like, $19. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I always love clubs in movies. I, my favorite part is that they have to put the music in, obviously, afterwards. So I just <laughs> imagine all the actors, like, talking really loud for no reason. Like, well, there's and- music behind them. In this one, they do that where they definitely, like, didn't explain it well to the, to the actors of how loud the music would be or not be. Because, like, Jeff Ward is like, hey, I'm really, I really can't hear you. And you're watching it. You're like, shh, shh. Yeah, you're right. shouting. Bring it down a little, Jeff. And then I realize, and, I'm but, like, oh, is this what it's like whenever anybody talks to me? <laughs> right. And I think they obviously only had, like, six extras, too, that they just kept moving around <laughs> for every shot. I think you're right. Oy. Um, inability to act with an empty coffee cup. Oh, that's the one. I saw it and I thought of you. I was waiting for this moment. It's uh, Milo in the scene where he's talking to the sassy best friend. Oh, yes. The, in the kitchen. And he's he, like twirling it on his finger. Yeah. Right. And they, they never take into account the, uh, you know, the position of the camera is going to see a little bit into the cup. Yeah. So. There should be, if not coffee there, there should at least be remnants of something that was right. in that cup. So we know that there's not. There never was. No. <laughs> it and completely breaks it. I mean, again, I'm not an actor. Like, I really have not, I haven't acted since, like, high school. Like, I don't know, remember, like, all of the miming you do and don't do. 
But I, I just, I find it so hard to understand how no director is watching this and thinking, you know what, you know what, um, Jeff, we're just going to put some water in that so you can kind of feel the right. weight of the cup, right? Yeah. Yeah. But no, That's they never hard- do. That's the easiest thing about pantomime. Just remember, everything has weight. There's weight to it. Right. And you have to imagine that's there. And, and if I, you can't I, I, imagine, I, then just add weight to it. Just don't imagine. <laughs> don't act. Yeah. Do it method style and just do it that way. You know, on the same note, there is the scene. I don't know if you noticed this, but there's a scene where um, Milo gives Holly a bagel. Do you, do you remember that scene? <laughs> yes, I do. And it's like pre-cream cheesed. It is, yeah, there's that. But also, I don't know if you noticed, Holly ate the shit out of that bagel. Like, <laughs> legitimately, it was one shot. Claire, coffee, literally ate that bagel on on screen. You know, it's this like, is what separates, in a way, the more low-budget, because this is a more Vista film, and those are not, those are never expensive. What separates one of these movies from a Hallmark or Netflix film? Because in a Hallmark or Netflix film, you'll watch, like, Vanessa Hudgens' work so hard to not eat bread um there's or there was the one uh from last year uh the best christmas party ever where there's a scene where two characters are out in new york and they're about to eat a hot dog and they're talking about how great hot dogs are but they Mm -hmm. are so clearly con like there you can see the actors like i really don't have to eat this do i i don't have to eat this (laughs) and every time one would you could tell the scene partners like worked it out beforehand because anytime one would go near the actor's mouth the other character would be like wait a minute like would touch them as if to stop them from eating the hot dog (laughs) because you know like on those movies they don't want to eat it like they have a figure to maintain whereas on like a lower budget marvista film you get the feeling that that is doubles as craft service Right, she was probably so excited that she got some free food. Exactly, she's like, "Wait a minute, I like, I get a salary and I get a bagel. Give me that shit." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> calling her mom. Like, I made it. I got a I finally made bagel. It. It's a Canadian lender bagel, and it might be a lender's, and it may have come from a freezer, <laughs> but it's a bagel. Damn it! I was so excited that she ate that because I think it's one shot, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> and like, you see the bagel disappear as it goes along. And I was like, good for you. Yeah, oh, yeah. oh, you want to hear an insider Hollywood story? Do I? Um, that a, so a friend of mine used to be um, an actress. And I, I think she she gave it up when I knew her, but she might have gone back since. She was in the movie Niagara with Feruza Balk. I don't know if you ever saw that movie, but she has like a speaking line. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that existed either, but she was in that movie. She was also in Godzilla. She was an extra in the Matthew Broderick Godzilla. Uh, You can only see her in the widescreen version. But anyway, she was in a, she was in a few things and she, I don't know if she was actually, oh, she was on the Bette Midler um, sitcom that happened in the nineties. Very short lived. I I believe it was called Bette, right? Bette. Yes. Yeah. I think she, I don't know if she actually was on it or if she just went into audition. Regardless, she was in a movie with Val Kilmer one time. Oh, Out of Sight. Remember when oh, Val Kilmer played okay, yeah. uh, a blind man? So she was an extra mm, in that. And there's a scene where he's eating something one. on. Is Out of Sight the Steven Soderbergh movie? And I think Mira Sorvino's in it, if I'm not mistaken, I think. You're thinking um, of a different movie any... that isn't Out of Sight, but it is something. Oh, no. Yeah, not Out of Sight. Um if I could see you now. If I could see me now. It's It's a movie where he is blind. And uh, and I do think Mira Sorvino is in it. But there's a scene where they're eating on a bench, on a park bench, right? At and first sight. You know, at first sight. There it is. So 
he's eating and she explained to me, she was like, you know, when you eat on camera, you don't actually eat, you spit it out because you, you do so many takes, you're not going to eat all the food. So they had a little trash can. They sat next to him so he could, you know, have his bite. And then when he yelled cut, he could actually spit it out next to him. But he kept spitting it to the side of the trash can. He'd lean over and spit it on the ground so they'd have to come over and clean it up. Well, this happened so many times. They finally, one of the PAs went over and moved the can to where he was spitting, thinking like, all right, maybe he's method. (laughs) He's in a movie where he can't see. Maybe he can't see. So let's put it right here. So the next time they did the scene, they yelled cut. He leaned over and looked down and moved to the other side and spit it on the ground. What an asshole. Yes. Yeah. Since then, I have hated Val Kilmer since I heard that story. And I don't know if it's true, but I'm choosing to hate Val Kilmer. I, I don't think you get that much by not. Like, he doesn't really do any good movies, so you don't really have to worry about hurting yourself by boycotting him. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. It's like when I say, like, I'm not going to eat any more turnips. <laughs> I'm not going to eat anything. <laughs> Uh, let's see. So we get, okay, coffee cup, going to bed at 3 p.m. I don't think, I think they're all fairly on a normal time clock. Yeah, seems to be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the, the late hours when they're there till 2, I believe it was 2. Yeah, 2 and 2 It looked like late night shots. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the sprinkle sound effect, we get a lot because it's a magical movie, even though it's not right. a magical movie, apparently. Are but you even like the, the very, I think the opening sound cue is the sprinkle sound effect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to put it in right here? Uh, I will. I don't know okay, if you note about that, but yes, I usually, I've been like abusing that sprinkle sound effect. It's, it'll you never have enough. This is true. Uh, and then the last is the careful balance of red and green in the costuming. Oh, gosh, I didn't even notice this. I don't think I know, we get it in this movie. I don't either. I'm picturing she wore a lot of white. She did, her outfits you, were also very cute, I thought. Yeah, yeah, they styled her well. That actually looked like things that a advertising executive might wear. Yeah, like very mod cloth, very just kind of like cute graphic designer kind of feel. Yeah, yeah, but I don't, I didn't see a lot of red and green. I think maybe in the poster, aren't they wearing like sweaters? It's that white people and red and green sweaters oh, thing. Oh yes, if I'm yeah. Not well, the poster feel is so yeah. Like, like let's, let's let's look at this poster. The poster does not look like it's going to be this movie. The poster no. is her looking a little bit like sassy, questiony, like with her, you know, kind of stuck between two men. All of their hands are in their pockets. It's very mm-hmm. weird body language going on. And it just doesn't. And again, the title doesn't, the description doesn't, like nothing about the the marketing of this movie. And, and you're my good luck charm because I'm going to make sure you're always on this podcast when we do stocking stuffers because with you, I always end up finding like the movies that are actually good movies. <laughs> the diamond in the rough. You're right. I, Seriously. So I got to say, Eddie, ended up, he's not going to admit it, but he ended up enjoying it. And he did cheer when that female mannequin came to life because he called it beforehand. <laughs> he was like, oh man, I wish that female mannequin would come to life and just cause some shit. And then when it pinned to the window and she wasn't there, he was cheering. <laughs> he was so happy. Uh, Brandon overheard a lot of this one. And, uh, like, he usually, like, will come in and kind of, like, make a joke. He's like, oh, is that the sassy sidekick? Oh, is that this? And in this one, like, he was doing that. And then he kind of came in and looked at me. And I'm like, yeah, I laughed. He's like, that sounded funny. I'm like, it was funny. And, like, he's like, I did overhear that one scene. He's like, it did sound funny. I'm like, it was. So it really, like, I don't want to oversell it. Because, I mean, this isn't, I don't know, this isn't Clue. Like, this isn't the greatest comedy of all time. (laughs) But it's funny. (laughs) 
Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people. You do these shows for a reason because people like these movies. Yep. And if you like these movies, and you know, you you have to go through a lot of crap to find a good one. If you want to find a good one, watch this. That's all we're saying. Yeah. Like it's it's the one of the least of, offensive ones out there. Sure, everybody's white, but still. <laughs> well, except for the sassy sidekick, of course. Uh, and there's you know no LGBTQ representation. There's a lot of problems with it, but if this is what you're going to watch, you could do a lot worse. Yeah, this one is. It will make you laugh, and that is not something that is true. That that is very rare for these movies where it is genuinely without laughing at the ridiculousness of it. Like no, it it is just a funny movie made by somebody that clearly knows comedy and knows how to stage things and get the right performance out of his actors for it. Yeah. And I'll, I'll go back to that parent scene when they are talking oh about, you know, when they used to, um, for holidays, what they used to do, it's very vague. They're like, they're basically saying, you know, we were mannequins, but they're not actually saying it. Yes. They're like, Oh, you know, we, we always got we booked to together for holiday spreads. Yeah. And they're like, Oh, Oh, oh let's do, let's do um, graduation day. And then they do a pose together and then like, okay, okay, let's do let's do Fourth of July. They're like, oh god, that's hard. Okay, let me think. And then they do the exact same pose. <laughs> yes. And they do that like three or four times, and it's the exact same every time. But it works, and it I was laughing. Yeah, it's it's enjoyable. It is on Hulu, so you can watch it that way. And then I was flipping channels the other day, and I see that I'm like, just kind of flipping through, and I see a movie called The Perfect Christmas, and I don't think anything of it. And then I happen to go over it, so I see the description, and I'm like. That's the description for this movie, and that's the actor for this movie. So it's under both titles. Uh, maybe it's even under Mr. Christmas. So look out for it. Like, you'll if you have cable, you might find it, or if you have Hulu, you'll find it. But it really, like, it's enjoyable. I think people will find yeah. it funny. And I will say that some of the stills that I looked through of Holly, uh, Claire Coffey, uh, it looks like Malin Ackerman, but it is not Malin Ackerman. So don't be disappointed when you get there and mail an accident out there. Because I kind of was. The, you sent it to me in text. You sent me the trailer. Yep. And um, I was like, oh, my God, how it's so exciting. Malin Ackerman. And then I watched it and I was like, oh, it's not Malin Ackerman. She just looks like her from certain angles. She's a two-face. Yeah, it happens a lot in these movies. Um, yeah. I was watching Naughty or Nice with Hillary Burton. And you, I really had to check five times to make sure that wasn't Julie Bowen. Because they look a lot alike and talk a lot alike. It's weird. I never noticed it before. <laughs> All these blonde ladies. I, you know, um, Melissa, our mutual friend, mm -hmm. was watching one recently. And it had, um, she said it was Ross's girlfriend from from Friends. Uh, I can't remember. Ju no, not Julie. She's the Asian one. Anyway, one of Ross's girlfriend. Trust me, if she was Asian, she wasn't the lead in one of these movies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it was... Uh, Ross's girlfriend who is like blonde and pretty and you know just vague and I'm like of course she's in these movies yep. like they're 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 There's actors a type. you know are just yeah born to be in this type of movie and she's one of them and Claire Coffey she could do a million of these movies mm -hmm. she's likable she's cute she's white they're gonna keep casting <laughs> her but she does have comedic chops which you can't say for yeah. all the ladies so yeah, yeah, that's true. She did a great job. So I'm really happy that you, you asked me to be on this one. As am I. Uh, so, Jason, if people want to find you, where can they look? Uh, In so what department store are you uh, modeling the latest fashion line? <laughs> well, with Christmas coming up, I have to work. What, what am I going to do for Christmas? Maybe this pose. You can't see that. That would work better I, I can, on video, but it felt but... really good. 
Thank you. Um, so you can always find me on Twitter. I've been on Twitter. Oh, my Twitter anniversary was the other day, Aww. 2008. Wow. I've been on Twitter officially 11 years, years now. Wow. December 8th of 2008 is when I joined. I got the little notification. So I'm still there. So uh, you can find me at Fozzie Bear, F-O-Z-Z-I-E-B-A-R-E. And um, some of your listeners might want to know that my husband and I have also started a small business recently. Mm-hmm. We are selling men's grooming products, beard care products. It's called Growling Grooming. You can find that at growlinggrooming.com. And you can find us on Instagram at Growling Grooming. I, I wish I could purchase some of your products, but um, I'm, I'm a lady up, and my husband has no hair. So. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But maybe, maybe one day you'll get a beard. You are Italian. That, I'm so very I'm Italian. I could also. actually buy them for me. This is true. You should, <laughs> you should do like a ladies' lunch. I should. Yeah, don't pluck. <laughs> exactly. Don't pluck. <laughs> Growl. Yes, I love it. Mm-hmm. We just found our tagline. All right. Well, uh, we will say goodbye. I will. Uh, we will go off air, and I'll give you some HBO Go information. Perfect. Uh, I'm so excited about that. To everybody else, uh, go have a have a have a watch of Holly's Holiday, and tell us what you think of it on the Facebook page or Twitter. Uh, mm. Happy Holly's Holiday, everyone! <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody!